The Tampa Bay Buccaneers loss to the 49ers is far from the most concerning thing that happened on Sunday. That and more on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome into this live post-game reaction episode of Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listener view every single day. Don't forget you can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, you can follow along on Twitter. I am James Yarko, at jarko underscore bucks, deputy editor of SB Nation's BucksNation.com, here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And, as always, we want to share our appreciation for your continued support of the show. And now you can join the Locked On Bucks Insiders, where you get news, the inside scoop, and exclusive content delivered directly to your phone, plus one-on-one -on -one conversations with me via text. I am always excited to welcome new insiders to the club, and I've had some really great interactions with Bucks fans that go beyond just this show. Join the Locked On Bucks Insiders now and be in the know all the time. Just go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Bucks to sign up. This episode of Locked on Bucks is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Coming up on this episode, we unveil a new segment which should be some fun, uh, help air some grievances. And we are going to take a look at what lies ahead for the Buccaneers. But normally we start here with the biggest moment of the game. And to me, the biggest moment isn't exactly a particular play, a particular you know specific moment that did happen in this game. The biggest moment of this game for me were the injuries to Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Levante David, Chris Godwin, and Tristan Wirfs. You cannot script this any worse for the Buccaneers. David and I talked all week long leading up to this game about how a loss to the 49ers isn't the end of the world. It doesn't really hurt the Bucs' playoff chances all that much considering the schedule that's ahead of them, the four divisional games, and the state of the NFC South. But now you are dealing with the potential loss of multiple starters on both sides of the offense being out. So both Chris Godwin and Tristan Wirfs did return to the game. But worse was clearly limited in his ability, as we saw when he gave up his first sack of the season. That's right. We are in week 11, and Tristan Wirfs, in his first year at left tackle, gave up his first sack, and it was because he was very clearly hampered by that ankle injury that caused him to leave the field for a little while. And then 
Godwin was not on the field for the last possession outside of that Hail Mary on fourth down by Baker Mayfield. He did have a lot of targets after he was bent awkwardly backwards and appeared to, I don't know if injure is the right word, but he certainly aggravated that right knee that he had surgery on just a couple of years ago. He was he was clearly hobbled. He was rubbing that knee. He was trying to shake it off. Chris Godwin was very clearly affected by the way his body bent back at the end of the third quarter. But the biggest concerns to me are the injury, the ankle injury to Tristan Wirfs, and then Levante David leaving the game with a groin injury. Tristan Wirfs and Levante David cannot be replaced. Servasie Dennis came in for Levante David, and he has shown flashes in his limited opportunity, but he is not Levante David. He is extremely talented and extremely raw. He is far from a refined and finished product. And while his pit tape looks fantastic, and as I mentioned, he looked decent in flashes, he is not going to go on the field and do what Levante David does. And there is no one, I mean absolutely no one, that can step in for Wirfs and even be half as effective as what Tristan Wirfs is. If this ankle injury is anything close to keeping him out for a week, two weeks, any kind of time at all, or limiting his on-field ability if he's going to try to battle through beyond what he did in the rest of this 49ers game. It does not matter what the rest of their schedule looks like. This Buccaneers team is done. Now, Jamel Dean was certainly disappointing. He left the game twice with injuries, but I, I am going to say this in defense of Jamel Dean. I'm not upset with the touchdown that he gave up to Brandon Ayuk. Let me explain. Jamel Dean tried to make a play on that football, and it was not only a perfectly placed football by 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy, but if Jamel Dean gets a fingertip on that or by some miraculous way he's able to tip that ball in the air and come down with it, there's a very different narrative around that play by Jamel Dean. So I am not going to fault him for trying to make a play on a football when we've seen him make similar plays in the past. And this does not absolve him of other poor plays in the game or in this season that we have seen from Jamel Dean, but I do not think he should be ripped apart for going up and trying to make a play on that football that landed in the breadbasket of Brandon Ayuk and went for a 76-yard touchdown. That said, that injury looked instant. It looked immediate. Uh, I've seen some people talking about uh, Jamel Dean basically being made of glass. He's hurt all the time. The same thing is being said about Carlton Davis. But look, both Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, while having been disappointing this season, without question, you know, again, don't get me wrong, they have not played up to the level that we know that they're capable, capable of or that their contract dictates that they should be. But Zion McCollum and Josh Hayes or Dee Delaney or whoever else goes in to replace Davis and Dean they're not as good as that duo has been 
or can be. So getting ready for a game against Michael Pittman Jr. and Josh Downs this, you know, this coming Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts could be a problem if one or both of them are missing. Then you look down the line. You have to deal with Calvin Ridley. You have to deal with Chris Olave and uh, Rashid Shahid. You have to deal with uh, Drake London. You have to deal with some pretty solid wide receivers down the stretch if you're having to rely on your on your number three, number four, number five corners because Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis are out. People are going to start to realize exactly how much better the Bucks defense is when they're on the field, despite some of the poor play that we've seen out of them this year. And obviously, we're going to keep a close eye on this throughout the week and as more information becomes available. But the groin injury for Levante David, the ankle injury for Tristan Wirfs are far and away the most concerning things heading into next week and beyond for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when it comes to their chances to win the division. I want to jump over into the chat real, real fast. Uh, David says that Dennis gave up the touchdown to Kittle. Yeah. I mean, again, he, he is extremely athletic. He's extremely talented, but he's extremely raw. And when you're the guy backing up Levante David, chances are you're not going to get a whole lot of playing time. Having watched a lot of Servassier Dennis, after the draft, when David and I were going through our our kind of breakdowns of what we saw of the draft class, he's an extremely talented individual. And, and I think he can be a pretty solid player for this Buccaneers team, but he is far from ready to be the guy that's on the field every single play. Uh, Joe... Uh, Joe in the, in the chat says, I blame the defense. I'm ready to draft Kool-Aid McKinstry. Uh, my son Beckett and I were talking about Kool-Aid, uh, during this game, during the drive home from hockey, we're both big fans of McKinstry and, and look, that's certainly a player that I'm going to talk about a lot on this show leading up to the draft. We are going to get more of your reactions, more from the live chat coming up in just a little bit and i'm going to debut a fun new segment that is next on today's episode of locked on bucks part of the locked on podcast network your team every day these days every new potential hire could feel like a high stakes wager for your small business you want to be 100 certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available and that's why you have to check out linkedin jobs linkedin jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free maybe you're looking for someone that fits the new direction that your business is going in or you're an nfl franchise on the hunt for a new head coach either way linkedin jobs is exactly where you want to start it's quick it's easy and it's free. So post your job opening to LinkedIn Jobs. Then add your purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
Thank you again for making Locked On Bucks your first listen review every single day. Everydayers, make sure you are coming back tomorrow. David Harrison will have plenty of reaction to this game. But Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. We have a new segment alert and a hat tip to one Seth McFarland. For you everydayers, every livers that have been around for a while, you know that I have a tendency to pull out a soapbox and stand on it and pound the table for things that I feel very strongly about. So I parlayed that into some smaller tidbits uh, of a, a new live post-game reaction segment of, you know what really grinds my gears? And we're going to start here. You know what really grinds my gears? The utilization of Chris Godwin. How many episodes have I discussed this on? For the love of all things that are holy, how is this guy not getting the amount of work that he should? Yes, he did finish with six receptions on seven targets for 39 yards, but he didn't get his first target until the third quarter. Remember my key to the game on Friday's live episode? For those of you that joined us on the live on YouTube, maybe listened on a podcast feed somewhere. My key to the game was to utilize Godwin early and very, very often in the short passing game to keep drives moving and neutralize the 49ers pass rush. Do, do, do we all remember that? What happened when the Buccaneers went to a short, quick passing attack to underneath receivers in space? <laughs> they moved the ball and got into scoring range. Why was that not the number one part of the game plan coming into this football game. I love Kate Otten. You all know that Kate Otten is my dude, but he should never, ever be the leading receiver on this team when you have Mike Evans, when you have Chris Godwin, and yet that's exactly what he was with the eye-popping mind-boggling, staggering stat line of four receptions for 49 yards on five targets. That is not okay. And that leads me to my next point. You know what really grinds my gears? Not knowing your ABCs. That might be an obscure reference for some of you, but for the five of you that have ever seen the movie Glengarry Glen Ross, you know what the ABCs are. Always be closing. And this offense does not do that. They moved the ball with relative ease in the second half, but could not finish the job. You had Devin Tompkins have a touchdown pass go in and out of his hands on a slant, and the Bucs end up turning the ball over on downs. After the best return we have ever seen out of Devin Tompkins, the Buccaneers are inside the 15-yard line. Rashad White gets them inside the 10-yard line. Kate Otten has a touchdown go in and out of his hands, and on the next play, a painfully fluky interception 
where the ball ricochets off of a 49ers player's helmet and lands directly into the hands of a, of a defender. So the Buccaneers had a 17-play drive that lasted nearly six minutes when they converted two fourth downs and they come away with no points. They are the offensive equivalent to Joe Tryon Shoyinka. So close, but can't close. Maybe, maybe it would help to get the ball into the hands of Mike Evans and Chris freaking Godwin more. Just a thought. What do I know? Next, you know what really grinds my gears? Officials. Whether it's the NFL or, I don't know, say my son's hockey games, I have a real issue with referees today. How in the world was the pass to Mike Evans in the end zone in the fourth quarter not defensive pass interference? I would like an explanation. Yes, it was a wounded duck that fluttered in the air since Mayfield was hit as he threw. But the ball was catchable, especially for somebody like Mike Evans. And Evans was blatantly shoved prior to the ball getting to him. And the defender never turned his head around. That would have given the Buccaneers first and goal at the one with six minutes and 45 seconds left. Let's say, for argument's sake, it's a lot like the other defensive pass interference that we did see called. And the Bucs had first and goal from the one. They turned around. They hand it to Rashad White. He goes into the end zone. Let's say, just for argument's sake, it's one play and the Bucs score. Now, you're at about six minutes and 40 seconds. The Niners offense takes over at that point. And what did they do on the possession following that no call of defensive pass interference when Mike Evans got shoved? A three and out with two minutes and 27 seconds off the clock. So now the Buccaneers would have been down by six with just over four minutes left and all bets are off. The Buccaneers finally, actually, did a solid job of not beating themselves with stupid penalties in this game. And a blatant one like that against the 49ers should have been called. Much like the pass interference against the Bills a few weeks ago, but I'm not here to hash that up again. So the moral of the story is officials are awful from the pros all the way down to kids and no one wants to hold them accountable ever. Just ever. So that was what is really grinding my gears this Sunday. Let's jump over to the chat real quick. We got David in the chat saying, not the JTS reference. I apologize for nothing. If I had a tattoo that said, no regerts right here, I would be showing it. Um, <laughs> Demon Hunter says, can we hire James as the head coach? Look, I have tried to coach football and maybe it's because I coached uh seven and eight year olds that I could not convey the message that I wanted to convey across to them. But no, I am severely underqualified and I don't want that job. I'm just here to talk about other people that do that job. Uh, we got San Anto Gato saying, that's what I'm saying. Why does Canales insist in this road? I, I just, I, I, I don't get it. Canales talked so much about how important Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were going to be to this offense. Baker Mayfield talked about how 
excited he was to play with the most talented wide receiver duo he has ever played with. And this was a guy that played with Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry in Cleveland. He played with Cooper Cup. Well, he didn't really play with Cooper Cup in Los Angeles because Cup had already been hurt by that point. But why isn't Chris Godwin getting the ball more? That's what just doesn't make any sense. This is a guy that should be a double-digit target guy per game. And he's not getting targets for entire halves. There's no excuse for it. There's absolutely no excuse for it. We take a look at what lies ahead for the Buccaneers. That is next here on Locked on Bucks. Did the game go to timeout? Time to order in with DoorDash. Is it halftime? That's ordering time. Two-minute warning. You got it. That's your cue to order in. Order for whatever craving strikes you. Maybe you're in the mood for a Cuban sandwich and potato balls from Cuban Express. Maybe today is more of a shell seafood kind of day, or you're grabbing some wings from Shamrock's Ale House. In my case, my son and I just drove three and a half hours home from hockey games in another state. What did I do? I ordered DoorDash to meet us at home with some food the minute we walked in. All of your favorite restaurant stores from retail to grocery are on the app so you can shop everything that you need to get game ready. Get prepared before the game and stock up on your favorite appetizers and order all of your tailgate gear on DoorDash. Then get ready to watch your team win. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. Don't forget to use code LOCKED23, L-O-C-K-E-D, the number two, the number three, for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. Subject to change, terms apply. wrapping things up here on a post-game reaction episode of locked on bucks and i'm really sad because the Bengals lost on thursday night and because the bucks didn't win it snaps this really weird correlation that the two teams had and so that that now goes out the window. That also has me a little down in the dumps. Doesn't really grind my gears. Just has me a little bit bummed. Uh, it was always nice to uh, encounter a bunch of sad Bengals fans on Mondays after a loss. Um, real quick, going to jump back in the chat one more time. And I know I saw here it is. Demon Hunter says in the chat, Tom is still enjoying retirement. Why not bring him back? But as the head coach, Demon Hunter, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, he's now an owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, minority share owner, but he's an owner nonetheless. Uh, there would be a lot of logistical issues to get that done. Number two, the best players tend to make terrible coaches. And I really think that the only exception to that has been Larry Bird. Um, I mean, you go through and you take a look at, at some of the, the best players of all time, and their brains just work differently than, than other players. You take a look at arguably the greatest uh, hitter in the history of baseball, Ted Williams. And 
he was so frustrated all the time trying to manage a baseball team because the players on his team couldn't do what he did and he expected them to. You take a look at at Pete Rose. Yo, he's the the hit king in baseball. He couldn't get it done. You take a look at Isaiah Thomas, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He was a dumpster fire disaster as a head coach and even worse in the front office. There's a reason that, that guys like Michael Jordan and uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and, and these prolific all-time greats stay away from the coaching realm. And it's because they are just wired differently and it's real easy to get frustrated with, with players on your team that can't do things the way you did because your your brain is it can't comprehend why can't this person do that when I did it and I made it so easy. So yeah, I don't think Tom Brady's ever going to be uh, a a head coach. I don't think Peyton Manning will. Uh, David in the in the chat says, uh, you know, look at Prime. Uh, yeah, I mean, people uh, people were all over Deion Sanders out of the gate, and, and Colorado has become a dumpster fire as well. Uh, Paul in the chat says Michael Jordan was a trash GM and owner. Absolutely, and it's because he was just he was wired differently. He couldn't he couldn't see the way things were. He wanted to try to force things to be in his likeness, and it just wasn't possible. So, um. Taking a look at the road ahead for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we have talked a lot about this leading up to this game and, and trying to get everyone to, to kind of understand that a loss to the 49ers is not the end of the world because the NFC South is still very much up for grabs. So the Buccaneers' remaining schedule, they're at the Indianapolis Colts, home against the Panthers, at the Falcons, at the Packers, home against the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, home against the New Orleans Saints, and then they finish the year at the Carolina Panthers. These teams currently have a combined record of 27 and 43. There is one team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, that are above 500. There are two teams that are at 500. That is the New Orleans Saints and the Indianapolis Colts. The Buccaneers are currently tied with the Falcons in the division, losing the head-to-head -head tiebreaker there. They are one game behind the New Orleans Saints, winning the head-to-head -head tiebreaker there. I truly, truly believe that 9-8 and eight wins the NFC South. The Falcons play the Saints next week, and I think I haven't gone through and done the full breakdown, but I do believe that you want a... Falcons win against the Saints next week. If the Falcons win and the Bucks win, that puts all three teams at five and six. So that would put the Falcons in first place, the Buccaneers in second place, the Saints in third place. Then you want to see the Falcons lose at the Jets, tall task, followed by a Bucks win against the Falcons the week after that. That would put the Bucks in first place. The road to the division isn't all that bumpy unless those injuries that I talked about at the top of the show are bad enough that these guys miss some real time. You are not shutting down Jonathan Taylor, Bijan Robinson, Alvin Kamara, you know, the the rushing attack of the Falcons in general regardless of if Arthur Smith uses his brain and and utilizes 
B. John Robinson, or if it's Corderell Patterson, or if it's Algier, we saw that rushing attack beat down the Bucks with Levante David. You're not shutting it down without Levante David. You are not keeping Baker Mayfield upright against some of these pass rushes without Tristan Wirfs. It's not going to happen. Now, Indianapolis and Jacksonville are the only two teams on the Bucks' remaining schedule who are in the top half in the NFL in scoring, in points per game. Jacksonville, Green Bay, and New Orleans are the only ones in the top half of the NFL in points allowed. And by that, I mean those three have allowed, are in the top half of fewest points allowed. But there isn't a single team remaining on the Buccaneers' schedule that allow fewer points per game than the Buccaneers do. That's a nice little that's a nice little nugget to have in your back pocket. So, these injuries are the only thing that could really derail the Buccaneers' chances at winning 5 of the next 7 games and getting to 9 and 8 to win the NFC South because 9 and 8 will win the NFC South. 8 and 9 might win the South for a second consecutive year, but the Buccaneers match up really well with the majority of the teams remaining on their schedule, I think Jacksonville is going to be a problem. However, Travis Etienne has not performed really well against some of the top half of defensive teams in the NFL against the run. So you could have a problem with Evan Ingram. You could have a problem with Calvin Ridley. Uh, but overall, the Buccaneers match up well against the Indianapolis Colts. They match up well against teams within their division. They match up well with the Green Bay Packers. So you're looking at a, a legitimate opportunity for the Bucs to rattle off some wins, number one, if these injuries are not serious, and number two, they don't continue to run as fast as they can face first into trees and walls and continue to hurt themselves. One last dip into the chat. Reese says nine and eight puts us in the upper back of the draft. At nine and eight, if they lose in the, the first round of the playoffs, it puts them basically exactly where they drafted last year. You're going to have a, uh, what do they have? They had a top 20 pick. Um, but, you know, the early exit plus the record, you're probably going to be the first playoff team uh, drafting if you lose that initial uh, playoff game. We got, um, oh gosh, hi Bryce Daniels. Um, James, I want to know if you think Baker could be re-signed. I want to know how you feel his season is gone and if he could be our guy. Um, I actually talked about this on the Blitz on 10 Tampa Bay. I tweeted it out. Um, you know, you can check out the full video on Twitter. Uh, at JRCO underscore Bucks, Evan Klosky, E. Klosky, WTSP. He tweeted it out. It's on the Locked on Bucks Twitter account as well. But the, the short version is, I believe the Baker Mayfield has earned the opportunity to get a second contract with the Buccaneers. I think he has uh, surpassed a lot of the uh, initial predictions for how he would perform. The problem that you're going to run into now is Baker Mayfield was going to be in a free agent quarterback class that was going to be headlined by Kirk Cousins. 
Kirk Cousins is going to miss a lot of time with that injury that he had. You have Ryan Tannehill entering free agency. I think Baker Mayfield is definitely a more suitable starter in the NFL than Ryan Tannehill is. And at this point, you're, you know, even if they don't make the playoffs, if the Bucs finish six and 11, if they finish seven and, and 10, you're not drafting high enough to get a Drake May. You're not drafting high enough for a Caleb Williams. You're not drafting high enough for Bo Nix. And honestly, drafting one of those guys is not going to solve the, the biggest glaring issues on this team, which is the, the corners and the pass rush. Those are not getting fixed by a quarterback. I also think a lot of it has to do with the regime, the head, the coaching regime. If Todd Bowles stays and Dave Canales stays, Baker Mayfield gives this team the best opportunity to win football games. If Todd Bowles is fired and they bring in a new coaching staff, which means a new offensive coordinator, which means a new system, it's probably best to go ahead and start from scratch and bring in somebody new that can learn the offense with the rest of the team. But I also think that that means you're going to lose Mike Evans because he's not going to want to deal with another rebuild, another offensive system, and having to start this whole process over again in you know this late into his career and at his age. But we will continue to talk plenty more about that as we move forward, but that is going to do it for this episode of Locked on Bucks. Check out everything that I am doing over at BucksNation.com. Follow everything on Twitter at Locked on Bucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks. Follow David at DHarrison82. And join the Locked on Bucks insiders. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Bucks. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, fire the cannons. Thank you so much for joining me right here on Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 